Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, or EGLSM for short. And you can't spell EGLSM without ESG. I checked. So, what better podcast to dig into our ESG special this week, and who better to do so but our editor and deputy editor, Sam McClary and Tim Burke. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come to the fine work you've both been doing on uh, the environmental, social and corporate governance front in a minute. But first, I should ask the traditional question. How has your week been? Should I go? Fine. You go. See, I'll go. See ya. That's flawless. <laughs> Eight weeks into this and that's that's podcast gold. How's podcast. your week been? Do you know what? It's been okay. It's If I'm honest, Jeff. I'm a bit. I'm a bit bored of all this. No, not this, obviously. I love this. <laughs> Charming. But I'm a bit bored of all this. Um, mm. you know, stay at home stuff. Now I'm very excited about being able to meet um six people from Mon- from Monday from tomorrow. Um, so that'll pep me up, I'm sure. But no, really, it's all good. And it's been a really busy week. So, um, that has kept us hitting that twelve month kind of milestone that's that's got you a little bit more down about it you've written about this week I have you know I think I think I've said um so much has changed yet so little has changed because <laughs> here we are sat on a team's call um uh you know still 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 chatting with the same old faces and I'm bored of them to be honest <laughs> just all go away no, <laughs> Tim I'm sure has had a much better week <laughs> My week's been all right so far, and it's not even over. I, I never, I never know if I'm meant to be pretending that it's actually it Sunday when we're having these discussions. I don't know if we're like Jules Holland on New Year's Eve, where we're just pretending that it's that it's coming live. I still feel like I'm just only over halfway through the week. It's been all right so far, and still everything to play for. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly is, as we'll find out later. Um, so ESG. Uh, we, we've got a whopping 13 pages in our latest print edition devoted to the topic, uh, largely written by your fine selves. So, um, But we have to begin with a voluntary energy reporting scheme that could only have originated in Australia and which seems to have been named solely to get everybody singing a certain th- TV theme tune beloved by those of us of a certain age, Sam. Yeah. Neighbours, everybody needs good I can't sing. And I've got a sore throat. <laughs> Never resist the opportunity I don't know to chime how the, in with a tune. Do you know what? Whenever I think, I do think of the theme tune to Neighbours whenever I hear about Neighbours, but I also then think about Angry Anderson and suddenly, <laughs> and that one. Um, you can't do that on a sore throat. Can't do that on a sore throat. <laughs> but what so, a tune. What a tune. Apart from uh, a much beloved uh uh, Australian soap opera. Sam, what is Neighbours? Um, so Neighbours is a scheme, as you say, that was um, uh, is used very well in Australia to measure the energy in use of, of buildings. So we over here obviously have the EPCs, which tells you how mm-hmm. good your building is at um, um, being energy efficient in terms of the, the bricks and mortar of it. But what that doesn't tell us is um, if someone is leaving the lights on all the time or never turns their computer off at the end of the day. I never do that. Um, and the, the Neighbours um, scheme uh, asks both landlord and occupier to to, to measure, meter their energy and, and share that and share it publicly and then gives those buildings a, a rating. And it's worked tremendously well in Australia to um, get people, 
you know, sort of help with the drive towards um, energy efficient, climate friendly buildings. Yeah. And those buildings have become more and more valuable to the landlords too, because they're so so in demand. And government over here is now looking at introducing something that is the same, basically, uh, uh, as that. And it's um, it's been brought over here already in a voluntary um capacity by our friends at the British and um, British at the Better Buildings Partnership uh, and yeah this could make it mandatory which um, we'll have it we'll, we'll have some troubles along the way because we're not Australian we have a very different real estate market but oh. it has the potential to to really drive forward on uh, all things ESG or sustainability anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, you've both been doing some digging into how some major players are planning to hit uh, those sort of ambitious net zero targets, haven't you? We have, yes. Yeah. So also in the special this week, we've taken or um, taken a look at some of the different sectors and what they're doing on their pathways to net net zero. So we look at uh, the investor, the developer, the agent, uh, and also um, local authorities what they're what they're committing to. It's just a, a small selection. There are lots and lots mm. of businesses out there who are doing um a lot of lot of stuff to to on this drive towards net zero carbon and um it's just that it's just there to help readers sort of get a view of of what they might be able to do too and uh is there anything that's particularly impressed you that you've you've found out and you've you've learned about what people are doing i i think all of it's impressive because it all you know all of it um takes real thought and care and attention and and money actually mm. and you know i'm sure tim will talk about this in a in a second but there's a increasing number of businesses in our sector that are willing to make life more difficult and by difficult i mean expensive mm. for them if they are not achieving on their um, net carbon zero goals and that i think is really impressive Mm-hmm. Let's let's turn to the money man then, uh, Tim. What's your what are your thoughts? Yeah, Sam is right. There are there are a lot of really big, interesting deals going on at the moment in in the green finance space, and it feels like the real estate industry is. Um, I don't know if it's overdue or not, but it's it's really making a mark here. So this week you had London Metric, big logistics investor, uh, including a fifty million pound green tranche in a bigger private placement deal that it did. So, so what that means is it, it tells investors that the money that it's raised from them in that tranche is guaranteed to be used to finance sustainability measures in its buildings. And it, then it's also in the process of refinancing a huge revolving credit facility, so £400 million worth of loans, and it wants its new loans there also to be linked to its sustainability push. So that will mean that if it hits certain ESG targets, the loan becomes cheaper. If it if it doesn't, it doesn't. As Sam says, it it, it actually hits companies in the pocket um, for them not to be hitting these targets that um, that they set out in terms of in terms of green initiatives, in terms of sustainability. So it's a really big statement of intent from a big listed company, and uh, it, it's not alone. We've got Canary Wharf Group, which is in the process of lining up a nine hundred million pound Green Bond Workspace, which runs flexible offices, raised three hundred million pounds this month from a Green Bond. It's the first time it sold any bonds on the public markets whatsoever. 
And then we've we've been reporting over you know the past year, 18 months on companies like Derwent and Great Portland Estates, which have also struck green loan deals. So it really feels like this market is is opening up for real estate, giving them a great opportunity to to bring investors along on their their, their ESG journeys. I think what's what's really interesting as well is how a lot of these deals are pricing, particularly the bond deals. Because if you went back, let's say, I don't know, six or seven years ago, when this was, it's not a mainstream market now, but it was even less so then, there was a debate back then over whether if you issue a green bond, you should pay less as the borrower than you would for a traditional issuance. In other words, if you're doing good with the money, should it be cheaper for you to, to get that money? Um, and for years, there was no evidence that that was the case. But now bankers and borrowers are seeing that change. So London Metric said it's it's green tranche priced two basis points cheaper than than a non-green issue. And one of the bankers I spoke to about this for uh, for a feature in this week's magazine called it, brace yourself, it's a green premium or a greenium. Oh, it's dear. the greenium. Now, he said there's not there's not a formula for it. It it. it it could just be a couple of basis points, but that's still a couple of, of basis points. And, and the, the trend is becoming apparent. So we're finally seeing if you're a if you're a REIT, you need to make some sustainable overhaul in your portfolio and you hit the bond market to do it, then you can actually borrow that money more cheaply with a green bond than you'd be able to with a traditional issuance. I think that that's that's got to be good news for the market and for companies that are looking to put money to work in those kind of projects. I think it, it's the step that forward that we need as well, isn't it? Because mm. you know, money talk, money talks. It always mm. has, and it and it always will. So I think it's, I think you know, this will see that that real spike in acti- activity, and it's brilliant. I love it when Tim talks finance in a way that even I can almost understand. It's uh, very, very helpful. Um, it's like when you talk legal, Jeff. <laughs> yes. What's common hold again? <laughs> well, but you, people can check back on a previous uh, episode to, to find that out. <laughs> um, uh, do you find, do, do, the two of you, do you find that there are still pockets of resistance um, in the industry? There's still sort of dinosaurs looking at the bright light up in the sky that don't feel the need to to sort of aim towards net zero and things like that or is it is that finally dying away it feels increasingly rare to me but i'm sure there are still some pockets where the message hasn't quite got across but i don't know increasingly i think difficult to point to those i don't know what you think sam yeah i i would agree i'm sure there are still um people out there who who don't think think they need to do anything um but i don't think those people feel comfortable saying that out out loud Mm. as much as they might have done uh in in previous years but i think uh, you know tim's right i think the education is is filtering through and you know we see it i mean we're living in it right you know Mm. that um we wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for for what we're doing to the to the planet so I think you know there's a very real realness to um the issue now which is um forcing forcing the hand and I think that is really evident in the in the very fact that 
you know, ESG has moved to the top of the agenda during this pandemic, whereas if we look to um, previous crises, it gets pushed down the agenda pretty, mm. pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I think few and very far between and, and soon not really to be around at all. And uh, what have some of the other major talking points been in the news this week, Tim? There was, well, it, there was a story that I think is quite an interesting flip side to some of this ESG conversation. Um, so on Wednesday, the planning committee in Cambridge debated this big office scheme being brought forward in the, the city from Pace Investments. And it was said to be one of the most sustainable, if not the most sustainable, office development that the city had ever seen. It was Briam, outstanding, all electric, zero carbon in operation, and it was recommended for approval. But all seven members of the committee went against that recommendation and refused it permission. So why did they do that? Well, they said that it was unsuitable for the area in terms of its design. They said that a scheme of that scale should have been mixed use and included housing. And they said that Pace had done too little to ensure the future of uh, a pub that was on the site called the Flying Pig. But during the debate, and it was some debate, this went on for over five hours and it got quite quite heated. During that debate, several of the committee members were very skeptical about whether this project was actually as sustainable as it was claimed. And they were raising concerns over and criticizing aspects of it, ranging from the fact that you, you wouldn't be able to open any windows in this building through to the fact that Although pitched as a hugely sustainable scheme, it included a 250 space car park, <laughs> even though it was a stone's throw from the train station, which doesn't it doesn't feel like a particularly sustainable uh, part of that story. And it, it all underlined for me just the level of scrutiny that I think developers are now likely to be under with projects mm -hmm. like this, because I think, you know, Sam and I are saying everyone. Everyone is on board with this journey now it feels and i think we we rightly expect sustainability to be baked in you wouldn't expect to hear a developer pitching a building as one of the most harmful that the city had <laughs> had ever seen but if everyone's trying to tick those boxes i think it's right that there's more of a spotlight on who is who is really doing that and i know that i know that pace would disagree with the with the result and you know we've mm. we've asked them for a comment on this but there really was a feeling over that debate that planning officials are now not simply going to see the words green and sustainable and then wave a project through. And I think that that point about the pub as well interested me. You know, we we, um, we focus a lot on the G, don't we, in ESG, but it was just a reminder of the importance of those those other letters. And, you know, the um, the social aspect is really important. Mm. And those those committee members were clearly hugely against the idea of that part of Cambridge gaining an office, but losing uh, a clearly much loved pub in mm. the process. I mean, there was there was arguably as much debate around the future of the flying pig as there was the the sustainability metrics of that building. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well, what it said about the broader ESG. Discussion. I think that, that kind of brings us back to the in use um, conversation doesn't it because being sustainable or delivering a sustainable building is more than just the bricks and mortar it's more than you know putting pv on on the roof it's about understanding that it's a 
that a building is almost a living, breathing thing. And the people that you're bringing to it need to be on that journey with you. So yeah, if you've got a car car park, you can't say that it's green, you know, unless yeah. that car park has uh, an EV charger at every every um, bay and you're only going to allow people to come to work in a in a green vehicle that you have more cycle um spaces than cars which you should have in Cambridge anyway quite frankly <laughs> and 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 you know and that you're thinking about what what your people can do in that in that space that is good for the planet good for the society and you know a pub perhaps is um, you know, I think especially right now it, it is. But I think, you know, you you have to think of sustainability much wider than just a green building. But that wasn't all the news we had, was it? We had um, um, quite a lot of, uh, well, lots going on on the website this this week. Mm -hmm. Yet more SPACs being, being raised. Kane International, uh, the latest to join, join the long list of... Um, companies using the US market to raise a lot of money quickly to invest in in real estate in tech they're particularly looking for leisure as as well um, which I think is really interesting and um, you know back to Tim's sort of pub point a lot of us will want to go and do stuff when we when we can and ex experience things so I think leisure probably has pretty, a pretty good future at least for a, um, a quick rebound um, and uh, yeah quite a lot of um goings on in the in the flexible office office world as well new new management at notel after its takeover by newmark so um two replacing uh two people replacing the founder um with backgrounds at WeWork and and morgan's hotel group uh, which is interesting and then yeah tim you were talking um with hana weren't you this week yep so the guys the guys that um Hana, which which of course set up by CBRE, but now moving to new ownership, it's going to be spun off to a US firm called Industrious, which CBRE has then invested in. So they've they've opened the doors at their long-awaited first site in Manchester. They've got um they've got two on the cards, but the first is Four Partnerships Windmill Green. Um, and yeah, so I had a chat with Paul Nellis, who is the European head for HANA, and he, it won't surprise you to hear, is is bullish on getting people back to the office and the the future that that the flex sector in particular has as we all start thinking about uh, getting back to our getting back to our desks in a post-vaccine world. So he's, you know, he he referred to the cluster effect that he's hoping HANA have once they have these two buildings open in Manchester and good to hear as well you know a company of that size um, seeing the praises of some of the big regional cities too like Manchester is clearly clearly a growth market for a business like that and um, you know, likely to be no surprise really that it was the first UK uh, city that they headed to once moving outside of London. You've got to be careful how you say cluster effect haven't you? <laughs> yes <laughs> I thought that I thought that every time I saw the phrase as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and great so. to be digging up Manchester because I hope that people have watched um, during during the week our Future of Manchester um, presentation, uh, which um, really shows what the what the city is trying to do. And you know, if if, if Manchester's anything, it's a it's a fighter, isn't it? So um, uh, if you haven't watched that, please do head over to um, the EG events page, and the, you can watch it on demand because that's that's what we do now multi-talented 
there you go. So a way to spend the rest of your Sunday. Sounds 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 good. Um, so uh, we've reached that time again for the for the quiz of the week. Uh, now I know Tim is, as you may have heard earlier, still aggrieved uh, about his previous uh, <laughs> attempt on the quiz that he feels was derailed by a slightly unfair question about uh, common hold. Define common hold. Honestly, I still I can't get over it. <laughs> Uh, it's possible that uh, that the quiz might have been tailored slightly differently in the week since uh, <laughs> that, but uh, we still have Pui on top of the leaderboard with uh, four out of five shared with uh, Pui and Sam last week as a as a team. We've also got four out of five. So this week, uh, I believe you're gonna you, you're gonna team up again. again. Shall we? Should we do it? Let's give again. it a whirl. Six I, I, I out of five. Uh, six out of five up. is actually possible this week. You can get oh. six out of five. Oh, There's a bonus okay. point. So. Question one. All right, let's go. We have Housing Minister Christopher Pincher quoted in news this week. Uh, what did he fly the flag for in his keynote speech at the MIPIM Leaders Perspective Summit? BTR. BTR indeed, Bill Torrent. Exactly Who right. Who isn't flying the flag for BTR? I mean, you'd be silly not to, wouldn't you? Amazing asset class, huge amounts of money going into it. Did Sam just get the extra point? She didn't get the extra okay. one out of one. Okay, so question two: Which US? Did chair... you just mark down a, a note for one? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. <laughs> Got one. You're desperate to get back to pub quizzes, aren't you, Tim? Uh, <laughs> which US chain is looking to open 350 UK restaurants over the next decade? I think this should it. be for spinach, but it's for chicken, and this is Popeyes. It is. Have either of you ever eaten at Popeyes? No. No, I've never so there are none here at the moment, right? This no, is, no, well, I've never no. even even in the US, I, I've I've never never sampled their wares, but very I very popular. I ate at a White Castle in the US Ooh. once. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but don't do it. Did okay. you see the picture of the Popeyes fried chicken that uh, that we ran with the story? It was honestly, it was a thing of beauty. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, a, it one was of the sandwiches. A, it was a right click save as moment. <laughs> Well, we've got that to look forward to over the next decade. Uh, okay, question three is the missing words question. Go on. Blank for business rates relief. Blank for business rates relief. Is it a Bill Murray film? It is a Bill Murray film. Is it? Should we do it together, Tim? Let's do it. Ready? Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Sorry, I think that was my fault. I jumped the gun. That's right. It is the industry response to the government's latest failure to take meaningful steps towards business rates reform on its uh, much trumpeted tax day. Did you did you have a good tax day? Did you have a fun time? It was Wednesday, I, I wasn't it? it? <laughs> Press yes. day. It's always it's always a taxing day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So question four, the legal and professional question. Oh, no. I'm not going to ask you to define leasehold enfranchisement or anything like that. This week, we've got a nice big photo of Brighton Pier uh, to open the legal and professional section for the second in a two-part article series on what topic? This is our two, two um, editors here showing us how closely they scrutinise the legal and professional section. I'm going to say, can we, can, we, can we confer? <laughs> can we confer before saying that it's... You can, sure. I rec I'm going to go with dilapidations. Oh, yeah, because it is, isn't it? Brighton I, I literally don't know, but yes. I'm it needs a lot of work. 
like many appear. Uh, it, sadly, the article series is not on dilapidations. <gasps> uh, it oh. is on holiday lets. There oh. we go. Okay. Uh, check oh, it Brighton. out. If, Why did you use the pier? You should have used a holiday let. That's, I'm that's not, not in charge fair. of the photos, Sam. That is that. not fair. <laughs> that is your trick, trick question. <laughs> okay, question five. The diary question. So this week, we shared a trailer for an imminent documentary on which company that is a frequent source of headlines for EG. I cannot, I cannot wait to see this, but I, I can't imagine how the movie is going to be as gripping as what actually <laughs> happened in real life, but it is WeWork. It is WeWork, and here is your bonus point question, which can get you five out of five, five. technically. Uh, can you remember the full title of said documentary? Oh, it's, it's WeWork or... How to lose X number of billion, something like that. But I can't, I can't remember the so X number close. of billion if that's what it was. So close. It's WeWork yeah. or the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. Okay, I wasn't that close. I mean, <laughs> no. I, got the, I got the or. You got the gist. You got the or. I got literally the company name and then the or. But you missed the unicorn, <laughs> which is a shame. So, so what yes, was, what was that? Cost, I, stopped, I stopped writing down my marks. That was, we got three. Four. We got four. We got four. We got four. Which is which puts you joint on this the This is why I need to write them down because I can't even keep up with <laughs> basic numbers. Marvellous. Well done. So, um, Sam, do you, do you want to take us through what, what listeners can expect in the next week? Oh, yes. Um, but before I do that, because I'm just bringing it up, <laughs> um, we all should also talk about um, the very exciting launch of our student essay. Um, oh, that's a very good point. We should. Comp- competition, um, which... Um, it's really exciting, and I think um, people are already um, shouting about. It, so that's great. But we're looking um, for uh, any students in the in the built environment to take part in an essay competition. We, um, with the help of Eden Dweck from Wired School, we've set a very forward-looking um, essay question for for everyone, um, which I shall read out now. Um, um, uh, um uh no i shan't uh yes i shall uh, <laughs> um he said um 2020 has forced us to rethink why people come to the office instead of relying on the office as the default place to work the industry needs to focus on the characteristics that make the office a space that promotes productivity social interaction that pub and collaboration the concept of the office is here to say, but what the office looks like in a post-COVID world is another question. Um, he also talks about what the catalyst for evolution um, for the evolution of real estate is going to be, talking um, about mobile connectivity, and then that um, you know the 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 future leaders, I suppose, in real estate will be behavioural scientists. Uh, and the power of data and yeah we're looking for people to sort of expand on that as a as a view of what the future of real estate looks like um the winner or winners uh, get kudos because they get to be published in eg which is um all of us here can attest is the most exciting thing mm-hmm. you could ever um, achieve, achieve yeah and uh they'll also get some 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 money or some vouchers so you know what more reason do you need to to enter and um, that's open to students 
uh, studying real estate and, and other related courses? Correct. Um, and yeah, you can find out details on, on the EG website and just check out our socials as well because uh, it is all on there. Um, and then podcasts. So coming up on the EG Property Podcast next week, it's a little quieter. Uh, I'm going to be honest because we have got a short short week because mm-hmm. um, there, there's a weekend of celebrating eating chocolate, I believe, which right. pretty much is every week in lockdown. But um, it's uh, on Tuesday we have a really, really interesting um, podcast uh, for the Tech Talk Radio and we're looking at AI and machine learning in, in real estate and just the the how attitudes to it have changed and the power that that AI is is bringing to real estate and actually how how widely it's used it was really really interesting conversation so so that's um Tuesday ready for people's ears and then on Wednesday the 31st the last day of March Mr Tim Burke has his second finance talk no it's not called finance talks is it it's called market moves market moves it's all about the alliteration (laughs) his market moves podcast and who are you talking to so i am talking to some great guests we've got um got guests from crefsi europe hogan lovells aldermore spf private clients we're talking about the outlook for a post-pandemic real estate finance market and also looking back to the ways in which the great financial crisis of crikey more than a decade ago now left the uh, left the markets well prepared or ill prepared for its current situation in the pandemic and you'll and answer that you'll answer that question on the day i suppose well you'll have yeah. to you will have to wait for the answer <laughs> so yeah so just a couple next next week that gives people plenty of time to catch up on all of those that they they might have missed because we've been putting out a lot <clears throat> it has been constant uh, and yes and uh, it will be we'll be taking a break from eg like sunday morning uh, next uh, week to enable people to hide eggs in their garden and, and gorge themselves on chocolate uh, but we will be back in a fortnight a fortnight uh, we'll be back in a fortnight's time you have been listening to eg like sunday morning because it's eg eg like sunday morning <laughs> She will never resist.